everybody. I'm Vanessa Oshima, and welcome to the Outrun Cancer podcast. Outrun Cancer started back in 2012 when I made a promise to a friend that I would run every day for her to support her cancer journey. Cancer can be a really lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. And that's something that I've learned through my cancer journey, the running journey. And I'd like to share with you the stories, the information, the learnings. We call them the life learnings from running, life learnings from cancer. And so that's what we're going to do with this podcast. If you're going through a cancer journey and you want just a little bit of hmm, inspiration, a little bit of information, or just some good stories, come join us on Outrun Cancer. And you don't actually have to be a runner to be able to be part of this. Come listen. Hey, Caroline. <laughs> First of all, congratulations on five years of running every day. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's pretty cool. It's pretty shocking given that I'm not, I'm not a runner. I think after running every day for five years, you're allowed to call yourself a runner. Maybe with a small R rather than a big R yet. <laughs> So just for everybody who's listening, I'm Vanessa Oshima and I'm based out of Tokyo in Japan and I'm talking to a really good friend of mine, Caroline, Caroline Steer, who is based, where are you right now, Caroline? I'm in Tamahiri, New Zealand. Fantastic. So we want to talk to you a little bit about our story about Outrun Cancer and so this is the first episode of the Outrun Cancer podcast and we thought we would start with what is Outrun Cancer and what we've been doing for a little bit. So how this all started, Caroline Facebook messaged me 10 years ago in September and uh, 2012 and she said uh, in her little Facebook message, um, you've kind of inspired me to go for a bit of a walk today and we're friends from long time back. Yes, Caroline? <laughs> a wee while ago. A wee yeah. while ago. <laughs> Yeah. So we grew up in a small town in New Zealand called Matamata. What's Matamata famous for, Caroline? Hobbits. Hobbits, yeah. <laughs> Hobbits and maybe racing horses. Like yeah, and yeah. Thor- yeah, and thoroughbred horses. And rugby. Rugby, yes. Yeah. So like most places in New Zealand. So we grew up in Matamata College. And uh when I was uh 17, I went to Japan as an exchange student. And as always, we kind of lost touch a little bit. And then suddenly 20 years kind of flow by and uh I get this this Facebook message. So Caroline, why did you Facebook message me? Well, it was an interesting time because I, I had just started chemo mm-hmm. and I was in that strategic moment where this isn't working and I was scrambling to find how do I make this, you know, like how do I make this easier on me, easier on my family. So I was reading whatever I could, trying to find, okay, what what should I be eating? What should I be doing? And, And you're in this kind of quandary where you kind of watch your friends go in two different directions. There's the ones who keep in touch and they'll, you know, just say hi to you every day. And then there's the ones who panic and it's yeah. too uncomfortable to kind of stay in touch. So they they don't want to have a tricky conversation. So so I was really focused on on what I could do and what I hadn't thought about, I was nailing the food, nailing everything else, but I hadn't thought about moving. Mm. And when mm. I saw your post, you 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 did a post about you hadn't been running for a while and you went for this run. And it was just like, you know, it's something went off in my mind and said, right, that's the next thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's why I got in touch and said, thank you. 
<laughs> I didn't know how far it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. So just so everyone knows, Caroline was dealing with breast cancer and going through chemo and she texted me and so, you know, got this out of out of the blue. First of all, I was in shock. I think I'm, I wasn't quite one of those panic people. Maybe I was on the other side, which is like, now what can I do? I think that was the thing, which is like I just I didn't know what I could do. I was so far away. I couldn't go and sit by your side during chemo and things like that. But I thought if I could um, run for you and just inspire you to move, um, then maybe I could try that. And so that was my thing, which is like, I'll do what I can do to help you. So I made this pledge, which was, okay, I'm going to run for you every day until you end chemo. That was the first promise, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And it was about 200 days or something, how many rounds of chemo. And then we had this little basic conversation. Maybe it started in my head, which is what does running mean? Like, is it just down to the end of the street and back (laughs) or not? I made this kind of rule that it was maybe five kilometers, which would mean at least 30, 40 minutes of my day, um, which was maybe similar to what you were having to do. And I also made a rule in my head that I would never run indoors. I would always run outdoors with the weather. So just as cancer has sunny days and good days and cancer has shitty days, the weather has good days and the weather has bad days. So I made that decision. And off we went. I started running. (laughs) And I sent uh, Caroline a post every day to sort of say, hey, I ran today. So I still don't understand why it was helpful because I thought it was just something very simple. So maybe talk to me a little bit about that. What was what was good about that? Anything that give you know gives you a smile. There's those moments where you catch yourself feeling happy, and that's a real positive outcome. But yeah, like it was motivating. It was like well, you'd run that distance, and I'd I'd push myself the way I could push myself. Like I'd walk from walk further, or mm. and it's that. You know, like you're not in this alone. Mm, You've got yeah. that, there's that whole kinship. Um, the same. Look, I had an auntie who would send me a. She would just send me a good morning message, mm. and I don't know how that's helpful, but it is. Those, mm. It's those those things we do for each other, which you you just underestimate the value of. And mm. and for me, your running was huge, and it was funny, and you would have your snake sticks and your. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so everyone's going, what's a snake stick? <laughs> so I thought that just me sending up a message to Caroline every day saying I, I ran today um, was probably a, a little boring after sort of a few days. And so I started thinking, how can I make the messages interesting? And actually, I want to say thanks to that because that was basically opened my eyes to not just running, but noticing everything around me and uh, the snake stick incident was I was running out on the country roads and there was like a dead snake on the road and in New Zealand we don't have snakes and so coming across a snake in Japan on the road even though it was dead was pretty horrifying (laughs) so for the rest of the run everything looked like a snake all the sticks looked like snakes, so I was like freaking out <laughs> every 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 little bit. So I would write up to Caroline. Today was snake stick day, <laughs> so watch out for the snake sticks. Yeah. So I think Caroline, what I would say is that's a big learning for me, which is just to and you don't know what's helpful. 
I think many people basically say, how can I help or what can I do? I think you don't know in times what to say. I don't know what help I need. But if you just do something for somebody. Mm. Can't be wrong. So fast forward a little bit. We were on and um, we got to actually take what happened for me in Tokyo was that um, I got to 100 days of running every day. And some of my running club decided that I shouldn't run alone. And they started pledging to run 50 days alongside me. They didn't run with me, you know, and sometimes they ran with me in the park and things like that. But most of it, it was like they were running on the same day I was running. What's really great about that is you're going through the same thing. So sharing that I ran in the snow today and then a friend of mine was running in the snow today as well. And then Caroline was doing the chemo. And we all were um, supporting each other. So they were supporting me. I was supporting you. And it was it was just really special. I remember on day 256 was your last chemo day. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> you know why I, why I remember day 256 was your last chemo day? Because the running club made me a T-shirt with 256 on the back of it. And we had a dinner. We went to there. I was sitting next door to two guys um, who said to me, 256, if you run another 100 days, it'll be a year of running every day. Why don't you try for that? (laughs) And I thought about it, and then it was three of them that said, let's run. And I thought, okay, why not? The other reason, too, was I came to realize for you that chemo wasn't the end of this. So maybe talk to me a little bit about finishing chemo and then the next steps. Well, I think the thing that I have taken away from any kind of treatment is that it doesn't really end, does it? So you go, you have chemo, and then you have, you know, radiation, and then you have the drugs you take for however many years. For me, this is still on them. Um, and then you are always going to be that person where you go to the doctor and and they don't look at you with, you know, open eyes. It's every, everything you go with is something that they need to dig into. So I guess um, what, what does that mean for you? Well, it, for me, it means I feel terrible that we had this utopic idea that you finish treatment and you're going to have a finish date. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I think by the time I got to t- day 256, I think it was now part of my routine as well. And, you know, people often ask me, you know, wh- when will I stop running every day? And I'm not sure any longer because I think it's just part of my routine and what I do. I think that there's obviously good days and then there's, there's tough days. You know, yesterday I fell over and scraped my knee and my hand. So today's going to be a little bit of a, a more cautious watching for the bump in the road run. Yeah, I think the realization for me that with chemo it wasn't over because then you'd said I need to do radiotherapy. And then, uh, you know, you had reconstruction. My husband is actually a cancer survivor. And he said to me, it'll take about three years before it starts to calm down to the point where you're not thinking about it as much. So I did the math in my head and I thought, okay, 
three years is about a thousand days. And so I pledged to run through to a thousand days. <laughs> and that was the next kind of thing, which was 1,000 days. And during that time, we did the life learnings from running, all the different things that we were learning together. And day 1,000, we said, what a day. day. Caroline, what made you decide to come to Japan for day 1,000? Do you know what? When you started right from the start, when you'd put up your photos Mm. and there'd be cherry blossom and there'd be architecture and there'd be colour and, you know, you'd take photos of food and that was such an awesome distraction but also was like, you know, like it takes you to a different place and mm. takes you out of your, your situation. So I couldn't not go. It was such an exciting <laughs> opportunity to go. So that's kind of what happened was that uh, Caroline and her daughter Tyler um, came to Japan. for I think it was about 10 days. I think you were in Japan. Yeah. 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 It was almost two weeks. It was, it was almost two weeks, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And it was just the right time of, of year. We went to Kyoto and we went to Hiroshima and we had like a really great time. And uh, it all kind of culminated in day 1000 running at the, the palace. I'd like you to actually talk about that because I can remember when we walked across the street and we saw everybody walk, waiting for us uh, in those pink T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, it was a sea of pink. There were so many people and you see all of the people that had been supporting you within your running club, mm. but you kind of see snatches of them. You only see a few people in a photo at a time. So when I got over there and saw how many people had been doing this with you, it was, it was a little bit emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was. It was in Japanese we have this thing called a tusuki, which is um, like a sash which operates like a baton, like a relay baton in long relay races. Um, and so there's these famous where you hand the, the cloth sash to the next person who's going to run for you. And when we had announced um, that we were going to run through to day 1000 and Caroline was coming, the running team got together a schedule so that um, for about six months there was like a continual runner supporting me and they would hand the sash, the, the baton, to the next person. And as a gift we made sashes, pink sashes for everybody with the date that they had run for us. I remember handing those out to everybody. Um, it was really special. We had about 60-something people running with us on that day. So fast forward a bit to the second part of the story. Uh, So I've been running for Caroline for four years and what I always call my Alanis Morissette moment, (laughs) isn't it ironic, on February (laughs) 22nd, uh, which is today, the launch of the podcast, I got a breast cancer diagnosis. And of course, I phoned my family or my, my husband was phoning and texting my sons and my family in New Zealand. And then when I got home from the hospital with the results, the first person I called was you. It was uh, 7.30 at night in Japan, so it was about 11.30. 11.30, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, look, I'd always made the promise to you, look, if the same had happened to you, I would do exactly the same for you. But I have to confess I always was so thankful that you were such a healthy and fit person (laughs) 
And I never actually in my mind thought couldn't possibly happen to Vanessa. The fact that you called me was really special. And we had a, a great kind of teary, like honest, frank girlfriend conversation. And then I remember feeling really bad because it was 11.30 at night. And I said to you, look, sorry, Vanessa, I have to go. I've got to run the boot. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, I remember hanging up and just saying to Yashu, um, who's my husband, Caroline's gone running at 11.30 at night. <laughs> yeah. And well, and Tyler heard me, my daughter heard me. So she um, she got out of bed and she... <laughs> She chucked on her running shoes too. So both of us are running up our road. There's no street lighting. We were running by the light of our mobile phones. And, <laughs> and that, that was, was the start of something special. It definitely was. It was um, really the start of something special. I can remember that phone call because at that time when you first get a breast cancer diagnosis after your biopsy, there's something that's been confirmed but there's so much that's still unknown. Uh, you still have to figure out, you know, how much it's spread, how much it's done. And I think for anybody who goes through anything like this, being able to have somebody to phone, whether it's um, a helpline, whether it's a friend, just listening to you to say the next steps will probably be this. You'll be asked to do this. You'll have an MRI. You'll do this. You'll do that. It just calmed me a little to know that uh, in Japanese we say senpai so somebody who's who's older than you and been through something already like a senior so you were my senpai you'd been through it four years ahead of me and every cancer journey is different however I think we do we read we google we do everything but sometimes just talking is is really helpful so you started running. I did. I did. It was, it was shocking. And there were those who didn't think I'd keep running because I'm not a runner. I'm, I'm terrible. Like I'm, I'm so slow the snails overtake me. But <laughs> it's, it's addict, it is addicting. I can't say I enjoy every minute, but... I just love finishing. That's really it, isn't it? I've never regretted going running. I sometimes find it hard to start and I hurt and things like that, but I always feel like, okay, I did that and that was that was worth it. Why do you think it is about running that, that's addictive? You know, for me, there's a sense of achievement. Mm. There's no question it's a sense of achievement. I think one of the takeaways is, you know, my lung function and my heart function is much better than it was post-chemo. And mm. and it's all about, like, it makes a big difference to, you know, your body operation. It's great for stress. Like, if I have a bad day at work, amazingly, I run slightly faster, which isn't huge, but <laughs> <laughs> I get a good time. So, <laughs> And it's great thinking time. Mm. A number of times I go out on a, a run and no one's talking to you, you know, like you're, you're just in your own space, in your own mind, mm. and and you your mind is on overdrive still kind of, or maybe because it's in its quiet place, that's when it, the, the ideas pop in and you kind mm. of get 
clarity on on your tricky things. So, and I, I like that moment when you you've finished. And you know, for me, it's so I get home and the top of my drive, you stop. You know, you turn off your uh, Nike app. Mm. And I lean on the fence and stretch and look out over the view and just think, <laughs> I did it. You always said, you know, like you you can find a way or find an excuse. And and that goes off in my mind. I found a way. Every mm. day you can find a way. Mm. I think that was one of my big learnings from running as we come up to your five years and I'll be 10 years in September. Goodness. You've you've started your cancer journey 10 years ago. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? I think that's the thing, which is uh, pledging to you to run every day. I had to stop making excuses to not run. And, you know, it's really easy to make excuses to not run. Oh, it's snowing today or I've got like a really busy day at work. I've been on a flight. You know, I've run where... I've had to fly to Atlanta uh, and that's like a 14-hour flight from Tokyo and you've got to go over a time zone and all of that kind of stuff. And you've got to run once in 24 hours. And so as you know, sort of getting all of that done, two hours before check-in, all of that, even before COVID, you're just, you have to run before you get on the plane and you have to run as soon as you get off the plane. Otherwise, it's not working. I think you did that in India, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, I had to run in Singapore on one of my trips. I had to do my run in an airport. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The trick, well, I don't know about How did you do that in Singapore? I've run in Singapore Airport as well. It's probably not a bad airport to run in. Well, it's because there was, it was our stopover and we didn't, yep. for a 24-hour window, it was flight, stopover, flight kind of thing. There was no... <laughs> uh, I think the trick I've learned with running in airports is if you run with your passport and your boarding pass in your hand, they think you're running to the gate and so they just leave you alone. <laughs> Otherwise, you're this mad woman running around the airport and you probably attract the attention of security. <laughs> so, you know, these kind of life learnings from running for me, this idea of I needed to stop making excuses and start finding positive ways forward. I think that's one of the biggest changes that running brought for me was that you know if I decided to run I'd be able to find a way uh and you know the other thing is like there's no such thing as bad you know bad weather there's only bad gear so I I don't know about you I've spent a lot of money on running gear (laughs) I guess it makes it easier for people to buy Christmas presents for us (laughs) yeah no absolutely that's and that's what I get I love it People do you, you need to buy a present for, but you have no idea what they need. <laughs> <laughs> so my story is that Caroline started running for me on February 22nd. I went into surgery on March 31st. And to be absolutely honest, I thought that that was going to be the end of what we call the running streak. I didn't see myself running through surgery and and everything. Luckily, my my doctor knew that I had been running for four years um, every day and she basically said let's just see let's just see I'm not going to say yes I'm not going to say no but let's just see and I literally had decided I wasn't going to run I was really upset because I know one day the running streak will end and it might be injury it might be just because it's not fun any longer 
but I really didn't want it to stop because of cancer. It kind of felt like this run was about outrun cancer. And that was the thing that was in my mind was that cancer is going to stop this. And that just, that didn't sit well with me. But uh, my husband said, you know what, um, I'll take the tusky, the baton. So while you're not running, I'll run. And, and, you know, my running club was running for me while I was in hospital. Uh, so, yeah, I, I literally handed my shoes back um, to my husband and said, that's it. No more running um, every day. I'll get back to it when I can. And off I went into surgery, had um, my mastectomy. Um, I ran the morning of, of the operation. So got up at five o'clock in the morning. My doctor had said, as long as you're back in bed by 6am, I'll pretend I didn't see anything. <laughs> so I went, I left the hospital <laughs> and went running. And I'm still friends with the nurse who took care of me. And she's like, it was crazy. They were like, the nurse was like, she's not in her bed. She's disappeared. <laughs> but I was back at 6am. I was back and I had my operation in the afternoon. So that was okay. And the next day, um, obviously, the doctors come in. I think, Caroline, you said that your lung and heart capacity had been better now than um, before chemo. I remember my doctor basically saying to me that my body was healing itself very quickly. Um, you know how you have those drains that come out um, and the gunk that comes out? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had really limited amount of gunk coming out. And she said it's quite fast how quickly your body's repairing itself and so she said so what's this minimum run thing you have to do and I said oh five kilometers I've been running five kilometers every day she goes you're not running five kilometers <laughs> what's the minimum you need to do to make it count and there's actually um believe it or not some sort of guidelines what we call streak running, running every day. And it's one mile, which is about 1.6 kilometres. So we sort of thought, okay, two kilometres. And she said, well, don't move your arms too much. Don't sweat. Um, just stay really close to where the nurses are. Um, stand up now, walk. So that was, you know, 12, 13 hours after the operation. Um, I think they do that anyway, make you stand up and walk around and just to make sure that you are come out of, um, you know, all things okay. I sat in bed until really late and then at 8 o'clock at night, the night nurse, my night nurse came in and she poked her head in and she said, there's this memo in your file that says that if you run, we have to be watching you. <laughs> have you run? And I hadn't. And it was just that little push and that, you know, find a way or find an excuse. And so I decided to try. I don't know if you could call it running. I think it was more shuffling. And I ran in front of the elevator bay with my Nike app. <laughs> and it was 45 laps in front of the elevator bay. <laughs> and went back into bed and cried. And oh, wow. I don't know if I was crying because I'd done it and I was happy. I, I don't know what the tears were, but it was, yeah, it was pretty emotional. <laughs> then that day, actually, because I got operated on, on March 31st, that the day that I ran, 
was actually April Fool's Day. It was <laughs> and I remember putting up on my app this kind of photograph of this weird, I don't know, Nike app run, which had just been, you know, it's gone round and round circles and it was like 1.8 kilometres. So it, it met, met the streak running need and it was put up there on April Fool's Day. <laughs> and I think a lot of people were like, is this an April Fool's? You've just had surgery. I was like, nope, it's real. <laughs> I ran and that was that was the start of what I'll call the cancer running. Um, I'd been running to support you and you were now running to support me. And then I started kind of running, not just for you, but for myself as well. So I want to know how you got your whole family into this thing. Cause you, all your three kids are doing street running now. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, it wasn't hard because I mean, Connor started, he's in between you and I, so he's, mm. um, you know, he's been going, I don't know, seven, seven years ish or mm. Tyler, Tyler's come and gone on it. Um, mm. she's very much back on her streak now. And, um, Lockie, my youngest, he's the most curious one. I, I, I didn't do my cancer journey very well in that I thought my kids were doing really well. I thought they were handling everything extremely well. And and it wasn't till a couple of years later that, you know, it became apparent that they put on a great show. They were getting scholarships to other countries and they were, you know, like exchanges and rep hockey and Doing, nailing it at school, but that was all about wanting to be the good news. Mm. And so I think my biggest takeaway from them is that if, if I was to have the ability to go back in time, I would have made sure that my family got the support they needed um, back then and not just assumed that they were okay because in hindsight, it's actually harder for your loved ones. I'm in the driver's seat. I can choose my attitude. I can choose how I tackle my journey. And, you know, they are totally powerless. They just have to come along for the ride. And and I think for them running became a little bit of a, this is something I can do, that this is a way I can support you. And you've inspired them into running and 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 because it's healthy and it's a really good lifestyle mm. I don't think it's a bad thing to you know like I'm, I'm really proud that as a mother of children I could have been 50 something and you know like not active mm. I'm mm. really proud that I'm, a, I'm an active mum who they can laugh at but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm out there, I'm doing it, and and they're doing it with us. So it's really mm. cool. And my youngest, Lockie, he he probably was the most reluctant to do it because the whole I, that whole connection with cancer was really uncomfortable for him and he wanted to be in his denial state. Mm. And, and his journey, like he's he's been doing it for several years now. Like he's, mm. done, you know, he got his comma and... Oh, wow. And... Yeah. Sorry for everybody who's at the comma. The the comma for streak runners is a thousand days. So finally, when you get your comma, we call it comma day. So when you've run a thousand, it's a pretty big deal. You move from being no comma to actually. I think we need to make a 
T-shirt just with a comma on it, you know, <laughs> so that we could just basically say, yes, I've got my comma, and those who know, know. <laughs> he's got to that place where he's he would initially be, don't read too much into it, mum, don't, don't read too much into it, and now mm. he's like, no, mum, you can tell people I, I do it. Um, mm. You know, like he's actually really proud of it. And so, and I think it was hardest for him because I got sick when he was, you know, first year of school. So mm. that's, that's pretty tough for a, a lily. Mm. I do remember that as a mother, you know, you're always caring for your, for your kids and then having to take that time to self-care and not, not care for your kids, but, you know, it's just you're having to prioritise what you're going through. And as you said, that they are trying so hard to be strong for you. I remember Jordan, my youngest, he was, uh, you know, 17 or 16, 17. Um, and the day after I was diagnosed, he came home because uh, and said, you know, you can't die, mum. I didn't know what to say. It was like, don't die, mum. And I was like, well, I'm going to try really hard not to. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to make a promise that I couldn't keep. And at that stage, I didn't know just how far or big or whatever this was. And I said, look, I'm going to try really, really hard not to. And um, and I think having that ability for children to be able to voice what they're really feeling. And like you said, it's like running also too, when I'm running, I often, when I'm running with my friends, we have really good conversations when I'm running, you know, because you're just out there by yourself with them sometimes and she's just chatting yeah so that's amazing because if I I talk and run something's got to go <laughs> <laughs> so I think Caroline we could probably talk on forever and ever but I think this is the Outrun Cancer podcast um, that we will continue to talk um, with each other about the life learnings from running and the cancer journey and the running journey. And I hope maybe we can we can chat with Connor and Lockie and, and Tyler about their running streaks too and about children going through cancer um, when a parent mm. has cancer. Hopefully this will be a little bit helpful for people who are going to go through that cancer journey. Unfortunately, pretty much everybody's going to go through some version of a cancer journey, whether you have it yourself or you're supporting somebody with it. It's just a reality. And I think that being on both sides now, having been a supporter to my husband, to you, and now being a survivor or a thriver, I'm coming. That means, you know, your five year running streak means I'm coming up to my five year milestone. Yeah. Uh, and for everybody, cancer, the five-year milestone is a pretty big milestone, in particular for breast cancer, because uh, we we get that assessment whether we have to carry on with a particular drug, <laughs> the hormone drug um, as well, because we're always told five years of tamoxifen, or, although often I hear that five years of tamoxifen turns into 10 years of, yeah. <laughs> because I think you're still on, you're still on hormone drugs as well, yeah. so that's again my senpai um, who has basically opened my eyes to the idea that I may not be off the cancer drugs yet. <laughs> so my last question to you is what is the one piece of advice that you would give me 
for my next five years of cancer? Because you're 10 years in. So what's the one piece of advice you would give me? I think we've been through we've been through enough to know not to sweat everything. It's like running. It's one day at a time and then all of a sudden you find you've done five years. Hmm. Well, you can get bad news and and you just tackle tackle it just slowly. That's that's all we can do. I really try not to waste my energy on worrying until I'm, you know what you're dealing with. So, you know, our future is unknown. No one knows what their future is. So every day is a gift and you've got to love it. Mm, thank you. Do you have a question for me? We're not spring chickens anymore. <laughs> True. <laughs> Running takes a toll on its body, on mm. your body. Where do you feel it? Where do I feel it? I feel it the most, I think, mentally more than anything. You know, when I go to the park and I see really much older people, like, you know, uh, in their 70s and 80s, and they're, they're running, and I think I could, I could probably continue doing this. It's just mentally I've stopped timing myself now because I know that I'm not going to be as fast as I was before. There was a period and you know, when um, 2016, where I was just getting faster and faster every, you know, every marathon I went through, everything I went through, and now I'm getting slower and slower. <laughs> and and it's a, so I've kind of stopped that. So I think, where do I feel it? It's like mentally being a little easier on myself to not have to run as fast as I did before, not have to run as far as I did before. And so I think that that's where I feel it the most is, you know, when you said we're not spring chickens and we're sort of going along, you know, people say, oh, your knees or your back or your hips or your whatever. It's it's really not that as much because you just go slower <laughs> and it'll be okay. <laughs> so I think it's it's a mental game now about whether I can do it and whether I would be satisfied with myself. You know, sometimes we're really hard on ourselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we set goals for ourselves and we don't quite make them. I remember my grandmother used to say, aim for the stars. If you miss, you'll at least land on the moon. And that's okay. And I think that that's kind of the learning as I'm getting older, which is have big dreams, but be okay if we miss them. That's okay. And so I don't know when I'll stop. I'll stop when it's not much fun any longer. <laughs> so where do you catch yourself? feeling really happy? I think when I see that when I actually did something which I don't think I was able to do, you know, yep. so sometimes it's really small. Like, I, you know, there's this hill at, um, near our house and it's at the beginning of the run and then there's a, of course, you go down the hill and then you have to come back up the hill at the end. I allow myself to walk up the hill at the end. <laughs> and, um, but the hill at the beginning, there are days where it's just tough to get my engine going. And so it's those small things, you know, it's not the big run. It's like, oh, you know what? I actually ran up that hill, you know, so it's the little things that make me happy. I think I've really learned to appreciate the little things, um, not the big things, you know, like yeah. just now having, you know, time to chat to you is a small thing on, you know, on a special day. Oh, it's a big thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. So again, Caroline, congratulations on five years of running every day. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for running for me. 
Oh. And, you know, I think Thank now you. now you can call yourself a runner. I, I think you are. You're a runner. <laughs> cool. Thank you. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. You have a lovely day. Lovely. Enjoy, enjoy your run. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. <gasps> You've already run today. I haven't run yeah. yet. Oh. We're, we're, we've got a cyclone here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you're, you <laughs> ran in the cyclone? Oh, my goodness. I ran before the cyclone. Okay. And I'm looking out in our paddock and I was a bit worried because a branch has fallen down. And <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. There's horses down there. <laughs> ah, okay. So you need to you need to go um, go rescue the horses from the falling branches. Well done on you having run already today. And I'm going to get my act together so that I can actually make sure that I run today. Although I did trip over yesterday, so I'm going to be really, really cautious because I don't want to trip over on my sore knee. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks for listening to today's Outrun Cancer Story. I know telling stories really helps. So now I'd like to ask you to come share your takeaways. Follow us on Instagram at Vanessa underscore Outrun Cancer for some stories, some inspiration, and maybe you might be inspired to put your running shoes on. See you in the next episode.